0: the oscars were sunday night here to do a recap with <laughs> actor and comedian ethan Hirschenfeld. so what'd you think yeah. of the oscars sunday night
1: well i didn't watch them uh-huh. that's,
0: that's, okay that's
1: recap. all right i, I didn't watch them.
0: there but it doesn't matter what'd you think of jimmy kimball's monologue
1: you know i really feel like he he uh he avoided the the, the elephant, the, in- ele- the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you it, can't avoid the ele- elephant in the room. I mean, unless it's a really big room. Mm-hmm. I mean, then. I, but in most rooms, an elephant. That's why they. That's where the expression comes from. In most rooms, an elephant is. It takes up a lot of the room. Um, so
0: yeah, I thought he. Uh, I thought he had some good jokes. I was offended by a couple of them. Again, I didn't see them. I didn't see... I
1: I didn't see or hear it, but I also found it really just uh, tasteless.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I found that some of the acceptance speeches were long-winded and self-indulgent.
1: Absolutely. They went on too long. They were pretentious. And they were also... They missed the point. Mm -hmm. The point... A lot of them, they get up there and say, if I, if, if I can do this, it means anyone can do this. Yeah. If I can do this, yeah. no, it doesn't mean that. It just means you can do this.
0: It's not an inspiration. It's just you strutting the stage.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of self-congratulatory. And I think there's a little bit, There I feel like with the whole red carpet, there was too much of a focus on fashion. Yes, I agree with you. They should have been naked. <laughs> there's, there's also the possibility of just discussing anything but the fashion. Exactly. Just discuss what's happening in the news. Discuss how you're feeling. No one talks about their feelings at these things. It's I feel a, like they're. What are yeah. you wearing? Like your heart
0: is on your sleeve. I've noticed.
1: Yeah. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Yeah. Uh, way,
0: neither one of us saw the Oscars, but yeah. uh, having said that, I don't. I was taken aback Sunday night by Hollywood lefties telling me what their politics are just.
1: Yeah. And telling me how to feel. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. I'll figure out how I want to feel and yeah. I'll feel that. Don't you tell me how to feel. Yeah. You're, you're disconnected. Yeah. You're there. You're in your $10,000 Gucci slip or whatever you're wearing. Yeah. You're telling me how to feel? We have nothing in common. That's it's outlandish.
0: Before we move on, uh, neither one of us saw the Oscars. Personally, I felt there wasn't enough diversity and way too yeah. much diversity at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was like looking at a I felt like I was looking at a rainbow, only the rainbow was being projected in black and white. <laughs> So you can tell that there's a lot of difference, but it all looks the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like a Xerox of a Xerox. Uh
0: Uh-huh. In all seriousness, I had no interest in the Oscars. Now, why is that because I'm getting older or this is a cultural shift? How did they do? I I would assume the ratings were not
1: good. They they seem to go down every year. I... Now, who won? Was it Kansas City or Uh, Philadelphia? I think Tampa In the Oscars.
0: We're desperately in need of a communal experience. Chris Rock's special on Netflix. Yes. It was programmed a week before the Oscars, and it had to be, you know, like the Super Bowl. Are we running out of national shared experiences?
1: We are. Um and by we I mean the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking here on behalf we're a divided people at this point. Yeah. We don't know w- what to think. We don't know who we are. We don't know where our allegiances are. Um we don't know we don't know whence we came or hence we're going. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the English. <laughs> it's it, very it, we live in very divided times or a divided nation I'm not sure which.
0: Well the I think the Jews uh, yeah. have a wanderlust that's been forced upon them. Yeah. I think before Netanyahu there was this yes. s- that okay you know if things get bad in the United States there's always Israel. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling a lot of Jews are it's too painful to look at what's going on in Israel right now, isn't it?
1: It's painful and it's also it's like looking in a mirror, but it's also like looking in a mirror through the wrong end of a that's, pair of binoculars. Yeah. Because it's very small, but it's a mirror. So it's a it's a democracy that's being threatened, but it's such a small democracy that you know, we you think we have we have we have trouble counting votes here, but there it's very easy because there's just like seven people. Mm-hmm. So Counting votes is very simple,
0: and because there's so many parties, everybody who lives in Israel is a member of the Knesset, as I understand it.
1: That's right. There's so many parties. It's like it's like, uh, it's, like it's like Saturday night at a at a state university. <laughs> um, Where are we going to go? I also, I also want to say, as a as a as an American. I'm I'm proud to be an American, but I'm also proud to be an Earthling mm-hmm. of all the planets. Yes, yes. I mean, we really have. I just say, really, the atmosphere. What I come for is the atmosphere. <laughs> you got you got to give it to this planet. Yeah, great atmosphere. Yeah, and you pay yeah. extra. The music, eh, but it's just great atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's it, yeah. Uh, now, if you had to leave, and eventually we will have to, yeah, is there a planet that you think might interest you? Mars, uh, Venus. Don't say Uranus. <laughs> not going to go there. We're way too, way
1: too. Oh, too many rings.
0: Too many. <laughs>
1: rings. Could
0: um, you, well. Let me ask you about the moon. Yes. Could you live on the moon if you if you discovered there were they were setting up a colony yeah. of like-minded people mm-hmm. who were vegan. Right. Uh, no guns, no conservatives. Mm-hmm. What What would it take for you to colonize the moon?
1: Now, on the moon, would there still be um, NPR fundraising weeks?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, just NPR.
1: You wouldn't be okay, yeah. by the government. Um, what I like about the moon as a, a destination is you could you could have like uh, one dwelling on the side that's light and one dwelling on the side that's dark. Right. So you could hang out when you wanted to sleep. You could go to the dark mm-hmm. side and you could conduct business and your social life on the light side. Now the dark uh, side of the moon mm-hmm.
0: is it always dark on that side of the moon or does it change?
1: I do not know. I, I know nothing about about moon, astrology, right?
0: and that certain parts of it are dark at one time.
1: Or I think it has to do with just the what we're what we're able to see from where we are now. If I get, let me get this straight: the sun is in the center. That's what they say. They say, and then now the Earth is going around that, and then the Moon is going around that, the and moon then is going around
0: the Earth which is going and, around the sun.
1: Yeah, but and they're all they're all rotating on their axes. Right. And so they're all bent. And then the whole thing, this is what really freaks you out. Then the whole thing is just zooming along in the universe. Right. The whole galaxy and the solar system.
0: Why isn't our hair blowing in the wind?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. you got to get a convertible if you want to have
0: that. Oh, a convertible planet. That's what- Yeah.
1: Yeah so um, could speaking, you speaking attack, of the environment
0: well, pa- 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 oh,
1: no,
0: panic attacks yes how long would it take for you to get a panic attack on the moon where you realized oh my god i'm a quarter of a billion miles away from planet earth in order for me to get home they're going to have to send a spaceship i'm um, stuck yeah. for the next
1: two years yeah. would you get
0: a panic attack because i get that on a ship I can't go on a boat
1: yeah i when i was a kid i had terrible uh like homesickness at summer camp i was in that panic and and that was just the catskills
0: i'd get homesick in my own home right i I was sick of my home is what i but wait so you you would go to summer camp in the catskills i
1: i think it was the berkshires oh it was the berkshires not the catskills some sad excuse for a mountain and (laughs) I was miserable. I was depressed, and yet at home, I was I was also miserable. So I don't know what I was missing exactly. Maybe I was just missing the bus ride.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe I was I was missing uh, the the New York Thruway. <laughs> I don't know what I was missing. Did you Did you go to camp? I did. Um, I went to uh, Jewish sports camp where the activities you can choose between are agent and manager. <laughs> you really go to drew sports camp uh later i did i went to a place called kutcher's sports academy which was uh
0: kutcher's is a big uh used to be where our grandparents went
1: exactly it was part of that whole borscht belt but there was a sports camp um so i went there for two summers but as a youth i went to another one of those oh did we get cut off no
0: no no i'm just giving you a close-up
1: oh boy what did you have Um, What's that? What did you have for dinner tonight? Oh, oh! I made a kind of stew, like a vegetable stew kind of thing, and we ate that with some rice. But I, I, I screwed up. I put in too much cayenne pepper. This is a rule of thumb. Uh, you can always add more cayenne pepper. You can't, there's no way to get rid of it. Um, you just got to muscle through if you put too much in. So go slowly, people. And what was in the stew? There was a little bit of this, a little bit of that.
0: Uh, what 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 did you use more of, this or that? It was, most- it was
1: equal. It was, two, it was one part this, one part that. There was sweet, not sweet potato. Um, it was like a butternut squash kind of thing, and then there was some potatoes, and there was uh, celery and carrots. Where's your protein? Oh yeah. Geez. Oh, I had some peanut butter today. I don't I think I did have a little bit, I was low on the protein today. Thank you for reminding me. Wean um, a bean soup too Yeah. It
0: was like, how can you not believe in a higher power when yeah. you bite into those beans? And I made I made a,
1: I, I had a big mistake with a with a veggie chili the other day, which I'd never done before. I thought I'm just gonna make them without soaking the beans or cooking the beans before. I'll just let the beans do their thing while making the chili they never got really soft it just never happened
0: and then you have an upset they say
1: they say it can cause gi disturbances but i didn't notice that but they also the internet also says it can kill you uncooked beans but i don't don't
0: gi disturbances like (laughs) infantrymen storming your house with gas masks on the roof (laughs) what are you
1: Um, well i'm reading um up with the sun, which I heard this this uh, this novelist interviewed by Terry Gross. I'd never heard of him. Um, apparently, so this is a novelist. I can't remember his name, but it's this is a historical. It's historical fiction, and it's about an actor, an actual guy who had a sitcom very briefly in the in the sixties. Name the, the sitcom was called Hank. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. there was a show called Hank. Yeah, this is historical fiction. He made this guy wrote a novel about that actor. That actor ended up being murdered.
0: What I remember.
1: Oh, oh, hold Hank. on, I'm getting, I'm getting the book. Hold on, I'm going to I, show
0: you the book. When I, I I have a vivid memory of going to my grandmother's, and there was a new show called Hank, and I believe what? NBC. This is I haven't thought of Hank since. Uh, I, okay, so I haven't thought of Hank. Since I was a kid, I remember it being on NBC on Friday nights. And was he like a happy-go-lucky? Did he sell ice cream? Was he
1: at- no? He goes. He apparently the, the 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 premise is that he wants to go to college, but he's he doesn't really enroll. But he just has to dress up and and avoid the dean by, while pretending to be enrolled in this college. And so this is all sorts of disguises. Yeah.
0: Okay, and who is the actor
1: the actor's name um is dick calman dick calman he was in various broadway shows he never really hits it big he at one point he's in lucille ball makes a a workshop for young aspiring comic actors out in la so he's part of that he um and so what is
0: the novel about
1: the novel it's just uh this it's 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 pretty great it's uh So the guy's name is Thomas Mallon, the novelist, and it's a it's a very uh, detailed, researched story and basically a fictionalization. A lot of it is imagined of what of the years leading up to his um, his his death. The guy ends up murdered this actor. I had no idea it flashes back to the, his, the fifties and sixties when he's an up and coming actor. And then it flashes forward to around 1980 around the time he loses his life. Um, so I recommend it. Wow. But, um, this, this author, uh, Thomas Mallon, apparently his journals from the eighties were published by the New Yorker a few months ago, which I want to look them up. Uh, cause a lot of his friends, uh, colleagues, everyone in his milieu in the eighties was getting sick and dying from AIDS. So he published, uh, he, he wrote diaries at the time, which then the New Yorker just published them. Um, so that, that was the other. And is this a new book? Yeah, this is a new novel. Yeah. So I'm reading that. That's true. I'm all, yeah. It's funny that, that, you know, of that, uh, yeah. Oh, and then this is the other thing I just started reading. This is about, uh, this is about the bardo, that that in-between state. How we is that? Is how we die? That, how we live is how we die. It's about the uh, this Buddhist concept of the bardo. And Apparently, there are like six bardos. These are these in-between states uh, between life and death, um, um, and there are some other bardos. But the the theme seems to be that life I,
0: is. How do I get to Brigitte? Brigitte Bardot. Not- Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, I guarantee you, nobody ever made that. Tr- I'm kidding. That must be... Uh, so, um, Bardot, I've, you, I've heard the term Bardot, I'll meet you on the next Bardo. That's a lyric to a song, I believe. Oh, really? I, well, I, I want to say it's a Bowie song,
1: that I'll meet you I'm on the Bardot. Yeah.
0: It's a lyric. What, what, is, what is the next Bardo? What would that mean?
1: I don't know, but the concept here is that... Um, impermanence and the fact that our lives are one experience after another, essentially of death. Every experience we have, the, the, the bean soup that you had is now just a memory. Mm -hmm. It's just an episode that happened and that died. And now you move on to the next thing. So there's something in there about getting comfortable with that, getting comfortable with impermanence, accepting that things, everything dies and that we're going to die. And that there's a, Freedom or a, a, a diminishment of anxiety and suffering. I think that can come from accepting that and thinking about our own deaths instead of doing what a lot of people do, which is to ignore because of the fear of death, ignore it. Yeah, and, and spend your life just uh, doing whatever you can to to deny that that ultimate reality.
0: Well, I, I deny change. Now, they say you cannot dip your toe into the same river twice. Mm -hmm. But if you move to Minnesota and you dip your toe in a river, I would say in late November, and wait for it to freeze, you can have your toe in the same exact river for about three months. So that's one of the things that I do to fight change. I'm all for permanent. I'm sorry? Duluth. Duluth yeah
1: Duluth is in the news something with surfers in Duluth I don't know what they're doing there so you um, do
0: change I I I'm very much afraid of change although I know
1: I think I am I think I am too I I and I think maybe more so than I used to be you know who yeah. f-
0: change cats do you ever change do you ever have a cat box that has to be changed do you ever see a cat when you're changing the box they don't like it you do you didn't grow up with cats no cats you you know cats act really cool and nonchalant until it's time to change the box mm-hmm. and they're what's going on here what are you doing here this is my toilet, right. my bathroom what are you what are you doing in my bathroom get out of here yeah. they get very antsy until it all settles down they got to check it out they're they're yeah. like mike huckabee and sarah huckabee who's in the bathroom who's who, are you are you in the right place they're very you know
1: who- um, who is probably really good on impermanence? Rats, really? They're just living it all every moment, every night. Where's the food? I'll go get the food now. I'm going to sleep now. I'm going to go find. They're they're just they're totally in the moment. Yeah. And do they wild they, wild animals.
0: And they mate for life. I just made that up. They don't. <laughs> but I just figured I'd say that.
1: Yeah. And in in uh, they're polyamorous also.
0: And that means what? They try different types of sexual positions
1: no i think um it means they uh they like to sleep with parrots <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no no they're uh, they're uh they have multiple partners i don't know what it means
0: let me bring in professor harvey jk
1: all
0: right we're gonna wrap it up great uh, let me see if i can bring professor harvey jk in here see if it works did i do it no i didn't can you hear me I, I, I can hear you, but let me see.
2: What am I doing wrong? The, is something I need to do?
0: No, no, no. Uh, ah,
2: you're perfect.
0: You're perfect. Let me let me wrap up with... But can you hear Ethan? I, I can, yes.
2: Very Hello, rich professor. voice he has.
1: Hello, Professor. How are you? Good. Good, Good to see you. Good to hear you.
2: Nice to see anybody these days, since I haven't seen David in God,
0: months. Months. You look great. Let me wrap up with Ethan. Sure. Then, I'm not insulted. Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, it's amazing this technology is working. Let's plug some gigs.
1: I, 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 yeah. Where are you performing? Me? Yeah.
0: This is it right here.
1: This is it for me right now, also. I had a thing last night, that UGG, that UGG comedy. And then I have a thing on the 25th in D.C., but it's, it's for, it's for the animals. It's a, it's a fundraiser for a, uh, animal rights, vegan-friendly, non-dairy, uh, <laughs> eggs excluded, no flesh.
0: I'm going to read you an excerpt from this great book that will cheer everybody. Oh. Well, Today is Now by Dr. Yes. Samuel Benjamin. This is a masterpiece. Everybody should go out and buy Today is Now.
1: I, I can, yeah, w- before you read it, let me just say, I can just, uh, having... Written it, I just want to say on the subject of of the Bardo and Buddhism and impermanence, Doctor Benjamin has something really, probably the most important thing to say about change of any of the great thinkers. Um, what he says about change is, you should always count it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, can you hear Professor Kay?
2: I can. Yeah. Am I not supposed to be able to?
0: Oh, I, 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 that's great. I'm learning this technology. Let me read you from. Wait, is this the first night of this technology? No. Oh, okay. Uh, it's the third night, but we still give out gifts on the third night of the, the new technology. Uh, I'm going to look under my chair. Okay. This is uh, from today as now.
1: Sensi- Make it short. Make it short.
0: Sensible shoes. They say if the shoe fits, wear it. I say go barefoot. Feel the earth and the earth beneath your feet. Feel the grass, feel the gravel, feel your environment, and be in it. Sometimes the shoes and the socks, and especially the heels, remove us from our reality. And reality is all we ever have. Wow. Yeah. That is from Dr. Samuel Benjamin, author of Today is Now.
1: It seemed like I was going to start selling shoes, like it was a footwear <laughs> line. Maybe that's a good idea, a spin-off. I need more merch. Okay, thanks, David. Thank you, Ethan. God bless. God bless.
3: As an Alaskan, I am so angry.
0: He's back. He is back. He is back. Professor Harvey J.K. joins us. He's the author of FDR on Democracy, along with many other books. The reason I bring up FDR on Democracy is because you are advising... Presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, and she is yeah, a Democrat yeah. nation. Yeah, it
2: surprised me. If you would ask me a year ago what I thought of Marianne Williamson, I don't even know if I would have had any thoughts on the subject because I really didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I you know, I didn't know good or bad. It was just. But she and then
0: are in democracy in contact.
2: Yeah, well, I think she actually saw me do things on. You know, she said she was a fan of my work. That's all I. That's what she said. Would I come on her podcast? So we did a show last. I think it was June on FDR. She really wanted to hear about FDR, and we talked for a little while afterward. And then a week later, she called and said, "Would I come on and do another?" In fact, would I do a live stream with her on what FDR would do about inflation? And I did, and we had a really nice, really good time doing it. At least I enjoyed myself. And then after we talked for quite a while and I explained to her that I used to have a speaker series here at the university. Well, now I'm retired, but that a young colleague of mine is still has picked up the task and the university has actually given them a bit of money how much I'm not exactly sure. And I just said, would you be interested in coming out? And she was very nice. She said, well, i'd like to just come out in order for you for you and me to have a conversation so she came out for a couple of days we spent a lot of time talking but i would then also say that i made it a point of reading one of her books before i did that first podcast um of course i think i might have mentioned it 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 was this one that i would never have bought a book with this this title a politics (laughs) of love i mean you know it wouldn't it wouldn't have occurred to me but since i was going to be meeting her on on a show on youtube i thought well i should Find out, and actually, I, I'm going to tell you. I said this to John Nichols, my my friend at the Nation. I actually think it's the best presidential campaign book I'd ever read. Really, because I mean, almost president. There was no triangulation. You know, the the Obama campaign book was a triangula- triangulation. In fact, I remember my students had to read McCain's presidential campaign book and Obama's, and although they were almost all progressive young students, they much preferred McCain's book because they didn't feel he was triangulating, whereas with really? Obama, it was like this, this, and that. Um, anyway, so I read the book, but she also hit important points for me. She paid a lot of attention to history. She was very interested in FDR. I mean, it just somehow resonated with me. I mean, it wasn't necessarily quite as radical as I would have liked it, but that's not the point. I was just really surprised. And we, and I the conversations I was having with her were, were, were really fine. When she came out here, we had serious conversations about should she launch or not, and I told her that I really wanted to have her voice in the mix. That whatever happened in the next couple of years, and she said, "Well, I wouldn't run just because you want my voice in the mix, you know." And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Unless Bernie enters the race, given what you've said, I I, I think it'd be great. I mean, I think someone who's going to speak up in terms of well, let me start medical care, Medicare for all, national health care, right, free public higher education. I mean, all of the all of the things." That Bernie had run on, that she had essentially embraced, but this time especially, she was keen on making the argument that we just cannot sustain neoliberal capitalism. That was clear, right? So our conversation has been pretty wide ranging, and 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 I've encouraged her to pick up on sort of certain, not just the, certain historical references, but also, and I think she really has pr- done well from what I've seen, on talking about. The sort of the, the idea that politics is not simply a matter of I'll fight for you, but rather that I'm, that I hope to encourage the fight in you and I want to respond, and by the way, respond to the already already evident struggles from below. We're not, you know, we can complain that there's no major movement, but there are movements and the trick, of course is, for some political figure to articulate those movements so they might come together. Now, do I think Marianne Williamson will win the presidency? No, okay. I mean, the odds are so so against that possibility. But someone like her might well be able to put forward a set of arguments and a set of attitudes and a set of aspirations and a vision perhaps, and she does definitely believe in the Economic Bill of Rights that Alan and I have been pushing. And it just might catch fire to the point where it might actually shape the public debate. And, you know, not to fantasize too much, it might at least pull the Democratic Party over to the left. And by the way... I mean, it amazed me when I've told my former students and young people, it's amazing how popular she is with young people. I, it really does surprise me. Absolutely, if, In fact, I mean,
0: it's why is good that? to hear. Why, why is she so popular?
2: Probably because, probably because especially recently she's really been speaking to, the, to their anxieties and their aspirations. Um, I mean, look, think about these last six months, okay? Think, just think about these past six months for a moment. Let's go back, I think it was late summer, no more than September. And that's when the question of the railway workers' plight first came on the agenda, right? And one could have imagined, I mean, imagine somebody with 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 real solid, you know, the guy who claims to be the best uh, president for labor since FDR, you would imagine He would have gone into the railway bosses and said, tell you what, you want to avoid a strike? I want to avoid a strike. The workers want to avoid a strike. Workers do not want to go out on strike. But I'll tell you what, if you don't cut the deal and give them the the things they need, I'll sign an executive order and we'll just nationalize the railroads for a couple of years. I mean, make it straightforward, right? Let him know what's, what's at stake. He didn't do that. And some, some unions you know, found uh, agreement, but, but some did not. And what? the ones who did not, I'm convinced, did not want to strike. The point is, a few months later, because he, and I believe Buttigieg would have been somewhat responsible, given his transportation, because they didn't lay down the law, or at least the fear of an executive order coming down, what did they, they do? The, the railway bosses you know, stood their ground, and what did the, the the Biden people do? They went to Congress and literally com- forced the workers to bow down. Right. You
0: know. I mean. Me histo- what kind of what, me yeah, a- talk? About, what? Sorry. Truman tried to nationalize the steel mills. Correct.
2: Oh yeah. F- sorry, I'm forgetting. I mean, did he f- actually order a takeover of the of the railways?
0: Briefly. The I mean, and and it, he he couldn't do it. Right. The the president can't. Take over. Oh, they could. They can
2: issue an executive order, I believe, to 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 do that kind of stuff. If worse came to worse, and by the time and by the time the, the, it got to the courts, perhaps uh, it would have been resolved. But I'm pretty sure they could. He could issue an executive.
0: Didn't Roosevelt threaten to do that during World? I war I think
2: as well. There were cases that maybe took over the mine. I know there were orders that took over certain industries. And he threatened. That's war, and that was wartime. This wasn't wartime. What were people worried about? It's Christmas coming right well okay it's christmas coming how about giving some health care days to workers i mean i mean it, the it's so outrageous what biden did or d- what he didn't do okay that it's un- utterly outrageous given all the hype right mm-hmm. but then go to the next step southwest airlines and and the debacle by all accounts by all accounts air transportation whatever the you know the faa whatever these folks were all warned they were giving warnings to the airlines Buttigieg should have been informed that there were serious problems in the, in the airlines. Something was going to happen. And it happened. But then the worst case scenario is the, the, the disaster in Ohio, which, which ensued, right? And it, okay, so Biden's out of the country, but Buttigieg is in the country. He didn't go to Ohio. He, there was no effort made on this part of this administration to do anything other than to stand back and say, well, there's nothing we can do. I mean, this is a, an administration. I don't know. Who, I don't know how they expect to garner massive support. The pop is popular. What they call the polls, the, the ratings, and his popularity leave a lot to be desired. I mean, it's just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And now, now this bank debacle of this past weekend. Why, why didn't Biden immediately, immediately take action to reassure? The, uh, the deposit holders right, to remind them: Look, you're covered up to two hundred and fifty thousand. Now we've gone from no no effort to reassure people to you know a mix of, a mix of stories that I've seen in the media today that even people with vaster holdings than a quarter million dollar savings account will be covered. Well, come on, I mean. <laughs> This is a, this is like two, what is it two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine all over again. It's it's not on the maybe not on this scale, but the fear was there, and and we find out later that yeah, lobbying was done. The Senate had approved, or whatever, whoever was in Washington approved the idea of reducing the regulations. They're all going to try to point a finger at Trump at first, but the fact is that they you know they were willing to let let the regulations uh, be weakened for a certain scale of of banking certain scale of banking we're talking about multi-billion dollar accounts. this is one of the largest banks in the country
0: right right
2: sorry so that that's been on my mind that i keep thinking oh, my goodness you know
0: well was we, was buddha buddha judge we've been you and i have been trashing buddha judge since 2019 when he started <laughs> yeah i
2: believe so at least
0: <laughs> yeah we see right through him was uh was he afraid of going to East Palestine because it would have looked like he was showboating and being too political? And they had well, a- that's
2: a, that's giving a guy the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he should have just gone. He should have just gone, brought along a bunch of people with him, found out what was going on, tried to reassure people, called in net resources if be, need be. Called uh, called Biden uh, was Biden at that point in Ukraine, wherever he was. Called him and said, "Look." We need to declare a state of emergency in this little area. And we're going to, you know, I mean, the governor of the, of the state was is no great shake. So the Democrats had an opportunity to show that they were committed to watching out for working people. You know, this is an area of Ohio that voted Trump. Didn't always vote Trump. In fact, I think they voted Obama once upon a time. Um, and but, you know, and when when film crews went in, when TV news crews went in, you know, basically, they were ready to badmouth anyone who's who's letting them down. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, there was no particular need to praise one versus the other. They just wanted to see some action. And the stories were so mixed. In other words, that's the thing. You, you let this thing fester and it gets worse and
0: worse. Is Biden, his, from a historical perspective, looking at the grand sweep of time, Yeah, is he a consequential president? D- despite all the complaints, when you look at... These massive spending bills that are about to kick in. The you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, these they say are gonna the CHIPS Act, they say this. Is an, a,
2: okay, so he's he's done sure. There's a couple of nice things, but I will remind everyone the disasters of his first two years. Okay, a, a, along with all that. Okay. Build back better. Remember yep. that?
0: Yeah, we'll see. I bet
2: most people don't even remember that, okay? Yeah, $15 an hour minimum wage, okay? How about the promise of no more drilling? And now he's just, he's signing off to let that, I don't even know the square miles that are going to be involved, and says, well, I'm going to block it. No offshore drilling. Well, of course no offshore drilling, what are you, crazy? I mean, this is just outrageous stuff. Well, and by he, the way, he, by the way, why would we believe no offshore drilling when he said just two years ago, no drilling? Right.
3: This so, is... so
2: consequential every president is consequential Will he go down as like one of the best presidents we've had only to the extent that Donald Trump wasn't president right now I could tell you right. um so is he, you... is he the he's not he's not a bad president okay he's not a bad president but it but given the hype given the the talk this is going to be the greatest thing since FDR right right just astounding. Well, come on. You know, it's funny. I just finished reading, not just, I finished almost immediately when it came out. Have For you looked at this at all?
0: It, uh, I've seen the interviews. It's okay to be angry about capitalism. About yeah, capitalism.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as it should be, but that's not the issue. The point is, the first part of the book, what's really interesting about the first part of the book is, when you finish reading those early chapters, because it's a review of the campaign, basically, of 2020. And basically, it's all about how the Democrats screwed him. I mean, he, did, he might not put it in those words, but I'm telling you. You read that, and you say, what the heck? This guy must be a, what's the old word? A glutton for punishment? I mean, he took, he took a beating the way they, they, they treated him. And then he turns around, goes out of his way to make sure that the Democrats win. Why? Because he knows that th- there was a serious threat of true authoritarianism. I might even go so far as to say neo-fascism. And he was a guy who, you know, the son of Holocaust survivors. So he knows... What's at stake? But the fact is, you read that the first part, you think to yourself, "My God, Bernie! <laughs> you know, but you, you, you are literally sacrificing yourself as part of this administration, you know, as as you know, being part of the Democratic uh, Caucus."
0: Yeah, but he did get some stuff into the Inflation Reduction Act.
2: Well, but then he reviews the whole. In here, you, he reviews the things that were supposed to happen and how. This one screwed him. This one screwed him. I,
0: it's just, whoa, man, whoa, man, oh, right. man, oh, man. Uh, he's triangulating. You you talked about triangulation.
2: Yeah, yeah. He ha- he has to to probably for his own.
0: So the the mental the, health. The the drilling in Alaska. Biden's doing that. So. Oh, Biden's
2: triangulating. Yeah, he's he's doing it right in front of our faces. Right.
0: Because he lost the house. He can't do anything for the. Nothing's going to get done for the next... Nothing.
2: By the way, you will recall that I argued on a weekly basis that I didn't think Trump or Biden would be the candidate in 2024.
0: Right. I still don't think they will be. You don't think Biden is going to get... Oh, I think he'll
2: be... I think he's... I mean, I think it's up to him. Okay, I'm not saying things won't happen that wouldn't change his mind, but he hasn't announced yet. And I just wonder, you know, I, I, I... Sent somebody a note. I sent somebody a note today, and I said I can't tell if Biden is a, um, a something or a marionette. I couldn't tell, but it seems the way he's been, the, his, the way his movements— and I'm joking his movements imply he's a marionette. You know that sort of stilted kind of action. Right. Um, but it really is the case that that I don't think he's up to it physically. I just don't see it, and I think that in the course of this year, something will occur that—not not that he'll have a anything catastrophic or, or, or traumatic just that he'll start to you know his wife will say to him you know you don't want to you don't want to invite the worst upon yourself maybe but, it's time to hand over in fact <laughs> the only reason maybe his ego is say to him well who am i going to hand over to
0: right they, he, they did remove a lesion that was malignant from, oh yeah so uh yeah Descent- I, they
2: all lie they I, my sense is ever since fdr they've lied about doctor they the doctors have lied about presidential health
0: is DeSantis? Do you think who's going to get the Republican nomination? Because if Trump is indicted,
2: that's for, a good one, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I saw today that the there's a, this other case. There, there might be an indictment on the Stormy Daniels stuff, but it might be a hard case to prove.
0: And it's like a manufactured charge because the payoff is a campaign donation in kind. <laughs> it really does right. feel like of all the things that you could lock Donald Trump <laughs> up over. Why what? would Alvin Bragg pick the Stormy Daniels hush money? Right? It's, it's so. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Like they're yeah. going out of their way to indict him so that he doesn't get a conviction. Yeah. They're going through the motions. Uh, where does he get the strength from? Donald Trump
2: and well it is absolutely fascinating isn't it I mean yeah. it's, I mean seriously speaking you if only was he was a lefty
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. only he was a
2: lefty with that cut with the audacity and that and his his racism could be converted to humanitarianism I mean it's just astonishing really how come we don't have that kind of well we do in Bernie but Bernie got screwed by his own comrades
0: yeah I've become fascinated by Donald Trump I've decided as a oh, yeah as a historian yeah. am i wrong to uh i can't figure out if this is my reading people magazine or serious history am i wrong for studying his presidency because i'm fascinated by it but it doesn't feel like real history it feels just like gossip oh you're so
2: that's so that's so well put that that, that is really because well, i've been trying i've been thinking to myself how do you write this stuff up? It's also the case that that you know it's like he wanted to build the wall. He took the money from one pocket and he put it in the other pocket, and then the you know that kind of thing. He wanted it, it, his it, on certain points, and I can't remember the ones I was thinking about. He'll probably be viewed as having had insight, but it is the case that he was just a, was such an such a full of you know what character.
0: But that in academia, you have people who are experts on Kennedy and and FDR. I'm talking to one. There's is, is there going to be Trump studies? Is there going to the f- that?
2: You asked... These are good questions. I wish I was prepared for them. Um, there's bound to be. It's going to have to be... But you know what it is? Whoever's going to do it, the question will be, how long will they have to wait before it's got to be more than just, you know, either spewing from the right or spewing from the left? I mean, who's... Su- as a figure, he's so unusual for having been president that it, 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 it's almost like you have, to, you have to figure out where am I going to plant myself in order to make full sense of this. And and not for, to forget that the way was... Pay, and by the way, if it's somebody who writes this who's a liberal, forget it. It's going to be an awful work. Whoever deals with it has to put it in the framework of the Democrats for 40 years or more years paved the way for this possibility okay mm-hmm. and so it has to be the case where you even as you're going to show Trump to be what he is you're going to reveal the democrats for what they are at the same time right right so you know it's going to have to be someone with a really with a critical mind who isn't just looking to trash because I I mean a story a trashy book but when you know it's too easy to write a trashy book about a about a guy like him it's got to be something that really takes on the question of you know what there was a book by Gary Will Reagan and America it's really i mean it was a really good book actually it really and raised a, a lot of good questions Gary Will
0: is a conservative
2: yeah yeah generally was a conservative I, yeah. not not a, not the hardcore type like right. well, the guy followed, but relatively conservative, but he wasn't eager to, pre- I mean, he wasn't, he just wanted to understand Reagan in the context of America. Now I'm not using that as a model, but somebody should talk about Trump and America, right? That's the book that needs to be written, not by the right. That's going to, you know, like these people who just constantly kiss ass and, and not necessarily by somebody who just literally wants to trash. It has to be, a, it has to be about how could this have, how could this man emerge to become president Okay, and to do that, it requires dealing with the Democratic Party. It requires dealing with, you know, the standard Carter, Clinton, Obama. It requires dealing with the ways in which the Democrats truly turn their backs on working people. And by the way, Bernie's straight out about that in this book about, you know, the way that they did that. But, you know, somehow or other, he still he'll line up with them. By the way, what is missing from Bernie's book is the fact that. He still doesn't quite get it regarding grabbing hold of history, and he still doesn't quite see the degree to which, had he done so, his performance in the debates and otherwise might have been much different. He's it's, But he didn't need to in this book because he's pointing out how Bloomberg, Buttigieg, and Warren, basically, he doesn't talk, he doesn't say Warren put a knife in his back, but he hints at it. Uh, two questions.
0: The value to reading the books of the candidates, that's my, yeah. that's my second question. But going back to something you said about Trump, why couldn't he have been a lefty? How much of Trump would you be willing to forgive had he given us Medicare for all, free tuition at all public universities? What would you be willing to explain away? Well, yeah, funny. That's a good point
2: because, and I'll get to the the answer, which is Medicare for all. Right. Here's the thing: when he was on the debate stage, I don't think people realize when he was on the debate stage, he was defending health care, as I recall. He was taught. He actually made a remark to the effect, "Do you want to see people dying in the streets?" This was like because everybody else was against some kind of universal health care. Right. He postured as if he believed in it. The pro- of course, the point was that he postured, and then the he he set out to kill it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, set out to kill it. Now, if he had become president and would per, pursued Medicare for all, let's call it national health care for a moment, okay? National health care,
0: waging national waging war against the health insurance companies. Right? Oh man, yeah, yeah. You, I, you get my vote I, if he demonized.
2: Yeah, no. Seriously speaking, that that that. I mean, it's hard to overcome. The, the the racist anti semitic it's hard to overcome that stuff but it's also the case that had he done something like that i don't think the other stuff would have i think i think he would have literally found him he would have the man l- likes to be adored had he moved in that direction he would have maybe stopped spewing the bullshit right i mean that if he had done that he, and he could have done that, that you know think about it given what he was saying on that debate stage he could have done that what, what, what
0: why didn't <laughs> because he's not really a billionaire but then yeah. Bloomberg Bloomberg is a real billionaire, and he wouldn't go there.
2: And he wouldn't go there, right?
0: So yeah. uh, you're right. What is the value? To, you reviewed Josh Hawley's book. Is there value to reading the books? I see that you're reading Bernie Sanders' book.
2: People, yeah, as so I said, I read that. Yeah.
0: Do you trust these books? Do you feel they're propaganda? Are they important? You you assigned Obama's book and McCain's book to your students. They ended up liking. Well, <laughs> it's not, when you read these
2: things. It should. I always tell the students: it, it isn't just what they say is important. You're, you're going to look for what they don't say as well, things that should that should likely have come up, okay, or the ways in which they address the things they do say. This will tell you. I mean, they. My students were. I didn't say anything about triangulation, and I'm not sure, even sure they use the words. I think they use the words like: first he says one thing, and then he kind of contradicts himself, or you know that kind of stuff. Well, let that's. That signals the presidency, and that's look. Obama lied when he ran for president. He, he lied, or and and he hedged. He never actually said universal health care. He hedged. Okay, but he did talk about his commitment to labor. And and mm-hmm. what did he do? He tried to. He he brought in. Was his name? Was it Arne Duncan? Whoever it was, he brought in for Secretary of Education, who went after you know right Arne Duncan the, the, teachers, the you know teachers unions those kind of things. I mean, so it's. You know, you can you get a, you get signaled by these kinds of things. Similarly, with I read Trump's book, I read his campaign book, which is kind of kind of funny because he had a lot of pictures of of things he supposedly built, you know, to show that he was, a, he was a builder. And and it was interesting to read because he it's it's like it's it wasn't that he it wasn't that he triangulated. It's that he knew how to. I don't even think he wrote it, but he probably talked it, and somebody then turned it into prose. It's that uh, he, you know, he assures people about Social Security, Medicare, and so on and so forth. But of course, he didn't say anything about the fact that he would gladly go along with the Republicans to give a, you know, trillion dollars back to the rich and the corporations. Those things. Right. So um, now, Hawley. I read Hawley's. You will recall, I read his book. Right. You know, the Tyranny of Big Tech. That I believe, was decidedly a can. That was a book that he, he was trying to set out a, a new politics for the Republican Party. And by the way, in recent months, he's laid out similar kinds of um, uh, essa- essays. I don't. He's got a book coming out in May on manhood. Did you know that?
0: No. no. Yeah,
2: I can't. I I can't wait to read it.
0: Um, Is there any way the Republicans can redeem themselves after Trump? Or was this the logical progression? You know Reagan to George W to Trump and now into neo fascism. There's no reversing this, right? There's nobody it, like Josh Hawley who can redefine.
2: Well, there, is, as I said, there is this movement inside of the Republican Party to pay far more attention to the needs of working people. The problem right. is they they don't they won't do it,
0: right? By Reddit. And...
2: they'll they'll dance. I mean Rubio, right. Hawley, and there's there's a think tank. Uh, headed by a guy named Oren Cass, I believe is his name. He we had him out here to speak to balance off the progressives. And you know, he his big concern is is the worker the working class question, but he can't bring himself to appreciate the imperative of labor unions. Right. They can go so far as to talk about like the neoconservatives were really never against the FDR social security, welfare stuff. They were they, Theirs was an anti communist Theirs were the kind of a, you know, it was Reaganite foreign policy they liked and anti-affirmative action, those kinds of things. So, but they, the, the thing is, these guys can't bring themselves to embrace unions. Similar, remember Buchanan back in the, was that the 80s? What was Buchanan running on the reform ticket? Uh, was that in the early 90s, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, Buchanan tried to rally. That was a right-wing populist in Buchanan. You know, you're talking about the pitchforks and all that. But right. he couldn't bring himself to embrace unions. That's right. always the—they just can't go there. And frankly, they could—you know—they could offer a lot of things, like they could promise a working-class tax cut, and that would be very appealing. But they can't bring themselves to really go the next step that would enable working people to what John Kenneth Galbraith called countervailing capital. You know,
0: right. Professor Harvey J.K., it's great to talk with you. Is the author, Good to see you. Yeah, he's the author of FDR and Democracy. Go buy that and go buy Take Hold of Our History. It's a collection of his essays and speeches, and it's a great uh, entry into his world, his mind.
2: My and, world, right.
0: And follow right. him on Twitter at Harvey J.K.
2: Oh, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, David. you.
3: As an Alaskan, I am so angry. Joining
0: us is Dr. Harriet Fraud. She is the host of Capitalism Hits Home. And it's not just in your head. And you can listen to her on WBAI on Tuesdays. What time?
3: 6.30 if they haven't canceled it for something. Six thirty, it's interpersonal update. And I am on, it's not just in your head with Liam Tate and E. Hero.
0: Fantastic. America, we fancy ourselves the strongest country in the history of civilization. Our GDP is more than the European Union combined. We are bigger and stronger than any country ever. And yet It doesn't feel that way.
3: No, because it actually, our power is waning. I mean, there are, first, let's just look at the signs. The dominant empire has the dominant currency, so that the pound used to be the currency against which everyone measured their own currency. Then when the British empire fell, it was replaced by the dollar as the U.S. empire started to ascend. Well... Increasingly, wealthy people are diversifying their currency, so they don't just hold dollars. They hold the Chinese renminbi or Swiss francs, but the renminbi is becoming very popular or the Chinese yuan. Also, our alliances were very powerful. Well, the new BRICS alliance, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, is now being joined by Argentina. South America used to be under our control. When Biden called the All South America Conference, although he eliminated invitations from um, Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, only four countries showed up. Doesn't look good. In addition, that alliance is the new alliance that has 12 nations applying to get in And um, many people around the world are changing out of dollars. The big diplomatic victory recently has been the Chinese brokered victory as an alliance between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Now, the Chinese spent three years working on that. They didn't threaten anybody, but they made it happen. When the United States asked Saudi Arabia, a a formerly staunch ally, to produce more oil to reduce the price, they just told Biden, go pound sand. We're not doing it, right? People don't have to listen. In addition, the United States is starting to internally fall apart out of its own corruption. This week, we had the second biggest bank failure that we've had since 2008. SVP, the um, Silicon Valley Bank, tanked, and so did the Signature Bank in New York. And why did they bank? Why did they fail? They failed out of their own corruption. They managed under the Trump administration to loosen the legislation so that they didn't have to have so much currency to back depositors who wanted their money in times when they didn't do well. Anyone could have seen it coming because as interests have been raised, bond prices go down as interest goes up. So uh, they had a lot of money in bonds. They lost a lot of money. Meanwhile, the tech sector has been in trouble. They've been firing thousands and thousands of people. They're the bank for Silicon Valley and the tech sector and for a lot of startups. A lot of startups don't get started. They don't do well. (laughs) <laughs> so they fail.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so you have to have enough liquidity, enough money, so that you can pay back your depositors, even though your loans are failing. They didn't do that, and they didn't, because in starting in 2016, they hired lobbyists who were former McCarthy personnel working for McCarthy, the Senate majority whip. Uh um, Trump. I'm sorry. Uh... Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, or McCarthy. Yeah, but he was the um, majority whip for the Republicans for a while. Oh, and see. they decided to get to um, the Congress and oh. the Republican senators and Congress people through the McCarthy lobbyists who they hired. They also hired um a fellow who had worked for McClellan, who also worked on getting this whole exception to the Dodd-Frank banking rule, saying that their banks were so stable they didn't need a whole lot of deposit insurance. Right. And 90% of the people in Silicon Valley didn't even have federal deposit insurance. That's a lot. Now, Biden says he will give them their money back. But whoa, At the and that's corruption. Figuring out people don't need the security they need so that you can make more money for yourself. In addition, the railroad, that was sure just sheer corruption. The railroad operators were told to ignore some of the safety signals because it costs money to wait with the freight instead of keep it going on a train whose wheel is gonna come off and chemically poison the whole area of the United States. And more than just that area, people are getting terrible allergies in New York now because of the chemical, the winds carry the chemicals. They're poisoning everybody because of profit. At the same time, the Republicans are saying, okay, if you don't cut programs in order to uh, balance the budget or reduce the debt, we won't pass your uh budget for next year. Of course, the discussion in this grand corporate corruption is not, well, first of all, let's take away the over a trillion dollar tax cut that you guys got under Trump. Right. Then let's change the laws that have made income go up. For example, I looked up under inheritance taxes, even under Reagan, Six, you could leave $600,000 to your children without any kind of tax in Inheritance tax. Now it's 11 million. Well, that's giving everybody an equal chance, right? Some (laughs) people start off with 11 million, other people with debt.
0: Uh oh. $11 million (laughs) and there's no taxes.
3: That's right. Your first 11 million. And of course, that doesn't count that you can give your kids paintings worth a fortune and they're not recorded or give them gold coins or whatever else they do. But in any case, the corruption of the rich is so enormous in this best democracy money can buy that it's falling apart. And if I were an overseas investor watching what's going on, I'd think, whoa, I may never get my money back if I buy Treasury bonds and buoy up this economy. Uh uh-uh. uh. If I were a foreign investor looking to bank in the United States, I would think, well, what if they start disagreeing with my policies like they did with Russia? Freeze all my assets. I'm not going to invest my money there. Who knows when the polit- domestic politics will mean I'm the next bad guy. And this, the combination of never seeing the consequences of your action and just sheer corruption, abandoning the safety rules of of freight rails when they're making wild profits, but they just want more. Or risking people's money in the bank because they don't have the finances to cover it. And anyone could have seen that. They could have seen that the interest rates are rising, which means that bonds are less val stocks are less valuable and the economy is more shaky. Plus, the tech sector's in trouble, and it's one of the only sectors that's doing well in the United States, and it's in trouble, and that's where you're um lending and that's who's supposed to pay you back, maybe you better have a little more on hand.
0: Right. We're in a I read I, I was surprised that we're in a bear market uh, when it comes to tech stocks, that they're down something like one third. That's and right. I, I and I went, really? You would think that would have been one of the top stories that the stock market right. is down one
3: third. That's right. They are very quiet about that. And the stock market bobbles up and down on its way down. Right. These are all danger signs. And the psychological aspect is everywhere is danger to the American way of life and the American economy. It's falling apart. The Congress is falling apart. They're yelling at each other. And a lot of things are off the table, which are obvious, like raise taxes on the rich and corporations. That's easy. You know, then, then we wouldn't be in trouble. And so I think Americans are upset. And they're taking it out in violence and shootings. There's now more than one mass shooting every week. No, every day, I'm sorry. It used to be once a week. Two a day. And, two a day. Yes, it's more like two a day. And people beat each other up over minutia, that there and domestic abuse is up, child abuse is up. There's a sense that people Know something awful is happening, but they don't face it and their newspapers won't tell them about it. And it's not on the radio, but the place is falling apart. We need some kind of a socialist alternative like every other democracy has. They don't only get to choose different people, they get to choose different economic systems. And France, Germany, all over Scandinavia, nobody else allows private money in elections and elections to go on for a year. France, they have two months, right. and no one's allowed to buy TV or radio time. They can put up posters. Right. But you know, this is corruption through greed and through unchecked capitalist greed, because we don't have the socialism to balance it.
0: Yeah. I had some insight into how the people at the top think, because somebody showed me how to look at the numbers for my podcast, and I could see where my listeners are and mm-hmm. i do have some listeners in you know alabama god bless them and you know mississippi and louisiana but not really they're not you know one
3: not- from Idaho wrote to me one of your listeners from idaho
0: <laughs> somebody from idaho
3: yeah wrote to me yeah
0: oh, is it whitefish or is that in montana i think that's in montana so yeah looking at the numbers and i was thinking All right, if I were a big business and I'm looking at where my customers are, I don't have to cater to uh, what they call the flyover states. In fact, we have listeners in Great Britain and Germany and France. And I'm thinking, oh, so if you're a corporation, you think, what do I care about the people in Idaho? That's not a big market. Screw them. I'm going to cater to the world and just find my markets. I don't want Washington getting in the way. Leave me out of it. I am not. I, I, this is not how I think. But I gained insight by looking at the the internals of my audience, and I thought, oh yeah, if you're a corporation, you're not patriotic. You're not thinking about America. You're thinking about your markets, yeah. in yeah. India, and and Washington D.C. is just some something a nuisance unless it can offer me a contract, you know, to, to perform this. I think globalization, has it gone too far? It's not
3: globalization, it's capitalist greed is unchecked in the United States. But
0: if you were to maintain the greed internally, at least it would be, it would benefit North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho. (laughs)
3: Only benefit the rich people there.
0: But if they can't take their money out of the United States, if you make it to ship jobs and a little protectionism, perhaps, or is that?
3: Yes. Look, we one of the reasons that Germany is the strongest economy in the EU and the uh, Scandinavians are doing well is they're not allowed to outsource. They have strong communist and socialist unions that won't allow them to outsource. If you are a corporate person in Germany and you have more than 10 employees on your board of directors, you need to have the union and the people in the neighborhood who are affected by what you do or if you go. So that mixes your leaving. And there's legislation against outsourcing. But we don't have that. And Our unions were decimated by the McCarthy anti-communism, right. anti-socialism, anti-leftism.
0: The the GDP of France and Germany they punch way above their weight. They're doing, yes, they do very well. That there's this myth that you you can have a a strong GDP and share it with everybody. It Doesn't have to be. Hor- In fact, it's better.
3: Look at Norway. Norway is an oil-rich country, and instead of being like Saudi Arabia, having a few wildly wealthy people and miserably poor everyone else, it's shared, so they're very prosperous because the oil riches are shared. You know, it's about sharing and it's about competition. Look at France right now. Macron wants to raise raise the uh, retirement age from 62 to 64. There have been already 4 million people in the streets, and every day there's another at least a million, and they're, all the unions are on striking. The electrical and gas workers are turning off the electricity and gas only in the rich neighborhoods, not the other neighborhoods. But I mean, they, they have a sense of their rights, and they have all the parties. When I was in France, I saw an election program where they had about eight people all talking about what they stood for. Eight people from the eight parties that were running for the highest office. We have two parties, and they're both capitalists. Um, One is terribly restrictive and cruel to workers. The other is mildly restrictive and (laughs) cruel to workers. And, you know, it's not much choice. That's why we have about half of our people who vote, and they have more like 89%. Also, of course, they get the day off on election day and In some countries, you have to vote. It's against the the law not to exercise your vote.
0: You have to vote. That's right. So- Better place to live.
3: It is. And America is falling apart. Really, it's falling apart. It's falling apart nationally. It's a laughingstock that they won't pass a budget. They won't raise the debt ceiling, which is unwieldy. And they won't even discuss taxing the rich, even though there's been a redistribution up, up, up. We were the most egalitarian nation in the whole Western world in 1970. We are now the least of all of the developed nations. So and that includes places like Hungary that aren't that rich or Latvia and stuff like that.
0: Now, you are a psychotherapist. You treat patients and help them. You've helped me on this show realize that, you know, maybe it wasn't my toilet training. Yes. Maybe it's the economic system that exterior forces that are creating my paranoia
3: and my fears and my anxiety. Well, not just that. I do think we're biopsychosocial animals, as Gabor Mate would say, but that the social and the political have a powerful impact on us, which is ignored in most of psychology. And so we were talking about Spare, Prince Harry's
0: book, which I... Gotten to yet? I read the the sample. It's really well written.
3: It's beautifully written.
0: Yeah, and so I I I do want to get to that. I was thinking about powerlessness at all levels. King Charles is powerless. He's just a hood ornament, but (laughs) he can take it out on Andrew and Harry. He can bully those. He can bully. He can bully the servants. But he cannot really take it out on his subjects; otherwise, he he has no power. He has no power. That's right. So it is human nature when we feel powerless to look around and see who can we punch
3: (laughs) and get away with, right? That that's what people we join with others to increase our power. Those are the choices. And and in the
0: United States a lot of the abuse that we're subjected to is uh, lateral. It's people of the same socioeconomic class, maybe even the same gender or ethnicity, race, religion, lateral abuse, as opposed to looking up, punching uh, at the people who are responsible for our feelings of powerlessness. We are
3: in America, beating up on one another, aren't That's we? true. We're turning on minorities like um, transgender folks. You know, it's suck up and kick down. That's right. what it was like in Germany, too. Why? Mobilize people's hatred against other people down below them so they don't unite and change the class structure and take power for everybody. What, what is
0: it? Is, is Are the Republicans studying a fascist playbook where they say, go after the socialists and the LGBTQ and then the Jews and then the gypsies? And the, Is that a
3: playbook or is that innate? Is that built into- Nothing is innate. Nothing is innate. These are decisions. How do you maintain a falling apart capitalism? Well, you have to find an enemy, bad Putin. The evil of the world. I'm not saying I like him, but still, bad, bad, justifying a war in proxy, right? Mm -hmm. Bad transgender people, bad minorities. You have to take whoever is beneath you and step on their head to try to feel a little taller. That's one alternative. And that is what fascists do in order to stay in power for the rich. That's what happened in Germany. The communist and socialist parties were very strong. And the big Capitalists decided to invest in Hitler to put them down. Hitler would have been just a weirdo if he hadn't had all that backing from the top, which they did to protect their money. And the same companies still exist. Krupp, Tommy Hilfiger, who, you know, designed the uniforms, all those, that kind of person. But, you know. It was Hugo Boss. Well, maybe it was Hugo Boss. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But Uh, it's the same idea. You preserve capitalism by forcing people and by immiserating them to give more to the top and getting them to train their anger onto people who are below them. Right. Whether they're Jews or black people or transgender people or LBT LBGTQIA or any any other group that you can find right. to vilify. Right. I was watching CPAC,
0: the, the big a conference fascists i mean let's yeah but they are now they're fascists one of the speakers said it is a war between the american people and the professional managerial class it's a war between the haves no i'm sorry the have-nots and the professional managerial class and i thought wow they really are getting instructions from the Koch brothers Yes, they are. Demonize the professional managerial class, not the people who the professional managerial class answer to.
3: Exactly. So, and work for.
0: Yeah. it's it's. I thought, wow, this is really calculated. Don't go after the rich and the powerful. Go after doctors and lawyers and professors and accountants and all the people who make the red state voters feel inferior and stupid. I thought that's right. Calculated.
3: It is calculated. It's calculated.
0: In our, we have um, we have uh, three more minutes left. What are you reading for pleasure?
3: I'm reading a book by um, I even forgot his name. It's called "Black Women in Black Women's Consciousness in the in the Communist Party." What the black What the Communist Party did in the late 40s and the, well, the early 40s and the late 30s to bring black communist women's consciousness and to foster race, gender, and economics as very important aspects of life and liberation. I had never heard of most of these things until I read Hammer and Ho, which is the story of the Black and white t- tenant farmers' unions, organized by the Communist Party in the 1930s, which were powerful and strong and united black and white. I didn't know about that, and I'm realizing these huge lacunae in my history. Right, lacunae meaning gaps. A lot of uh, my black little... holes. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't say black. It's kind of big yeah. holes.
0: <laughs> the but, uh, the. My understanding is unions were not too welcoming to
3: African-Americans in the 30s. They weren't in the 20s and 30s. They wised up when black people were used as scabs. They decided to accept black people. Like in the Longshoremen's Union, when Martin Luther, they had a united black and white workers. They allowed black workers in and then they won for a change. And Martin Luther King said unionism is the. Powerful force to unite blacks and whites.
0: together. Right. You you broke up. You broke up. We have a. a, a
3: he said. I'm what, sorry. No. It's unions. A, unions are the most powerful force to stop racism. It's black and white together. And and the
0: racism in the communist party was it less pronounced than
3: in the unions? It was totally unpronounced. They had a big goal of accepting women and accepting black people. And in the early years of the Russian Revolution, not later, sadly enough, under Stalin, but they also welcomed homosexuals. Uh, Russia was the first country to give women full rights. 1917, women had rights to vote. Women had rights to abortion and birth control. Women had rights over their families. And in in 1919, gay rights were given. Really? Yes. So the, in the beginning of their revolution, it was a very progressive revolution. What would have happened well. if,
0: if Lenin didn't die? How would the Soviet Union been different?
3: I think if Stalin hadn't ascended, they would have had Soviets, which were communes as their basic way of government, and they would have been a much more progressive country. I think so. However, they were being, you know, in World War II, they were invaded by Hitler. And I think a lot of people like in America and England and so on thought, great, let them both kill each other till right. the, the, they started killing us. And then after World War II, the United States turned against our ally, who was our biggest ally, and started having a new enemy, Russia, the evil communists. Right. And it's interesting, after World War One when America was starting to be more progressive, and America was also starting to acquire an empire. It was the beginning of the American empire. And they covered over the fact it's not very democratic to be an empire and oppress other countries right. by being anti-communist. And then there was another wave of virulent anti-communists, anti-communism after World War II that covered over their tracks as imperialists. Right. And so I think they use anti-communism in part to make sure that people are afraid to join together and make a native kind of socialism or communism or leftism, as well as to make sure that they cover their traces as they try to be an imperial power around the world. Right. And I think one of the reasons China is besting us is they have their belts and roads initiative instead of forcing people to borrow from the IMF and then put austerity measures on their people they invest in people's roadways and their bridges and their trains and that's a that at the moment that's a winning strategy the united states has got to learn and also has got to graciously say okay a new empire is rising and or at least a new nation china and we have to see that empires build and then they fall. It happens, you know, we've lost four wars and we now are in a proxy war that isn't going great. I mean, we have to at some point say, okay, let's just take care of our people and stop this world domination. But they don't want to. They're in utter denial and the American people don't have an alternative vehicle. You go to the newsstand in Germany or France, there's about eight newspapers with different parties The anarchist newspaper, the communist newspaper, the socialist newspaper, the capitalist newspaper, the fascist newspaper. You don't have that here. People don't have a voice. Right. They don't have an interpretation outside of the main networks bribed by their advertisers. It's sad. It's not a democratic thing.
0: No, it's not. Thank you. Dr. Fraud is the host of It's Not Just In Your Head and Capitalism Hits Home. Listen to her on Pacifica Radio, Tuesday nights at 6.30 on WBAI. How do people
3: contact you? Fraud at gmail.com, and fraud is F-R-A-A-D, or through my website, harrietfraud.com. And It's Not Just In Your Head is a joint podcast with me, Liam Tate from England, and Ekoi Hiro from California. We love you. Thank you. I love this program. We love it. And I got a sweet letter from Idaho from someone who listens to your program. That's great. Next week. Next week. You bet. Okay. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.